0: Noreen Mayer on this Tuesday morning and I'm really excited, really, really excited to welcome back on the programme the one and the only Andrew Dembina. Yes, Anders, great to speak to you. How are you doing?
1: Yeah, I'm very well, thanks. A um, bit, of, bit of jet lag from uh, European Travs. But uh, apart, apart from that, uh, good. Nice to see the blue sky and stuff in Hong Kong.
0: Exactly. Welcome. Because over the past six weeks, we had a, an art history special um, that went Indeed. down really well. Uh, uh, feedback from social media. We might have to bring that back again uh, one day. But for now, for today, oh. we're going to head back to, to food. And I know you sent a bunch of pictures, yeah. which I've also uploaded on social media. Um, cool. They are lovely pictures. Did, did you take some of them?
1: Well, I did take some. Let's just have a quick look. Well, so um, the, first, the first picture, which looks a bit like a postcard with an inset uh, circle of fish and chips uh, okay. with an overcrowded UK beach, that was not taken by me. That's, uh, that's actually borrowed from uh, a, a story, which I want to kick off with, if I may, um, which was uh, about a look at the place that has the most... Fish and chip shops in the UK. Oh, can shops I, can meaning I guess? that they could either be. Sorry.
0: Can I guess? Please do. Is it Brighton?
1: Very good guess. Oh. Very good. But guess. But wrong. I'm, not, I'm oh. not correct. But but it is in the south of England on the south east coast. Oh, Whitstable. Oh, that's. A, I mean, I mean, I'm sure they've got a lot there, but um, no. No. Um, the clue. I'll give you a clue. It is in the southeast of the UK. And in the phrase "southeast," you can find the uh, part in one of those words, there's part of the word of the coastal destination where 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 I'm talking about. Oh,
0: south I'm trying to, I'm something. trying to, um, uh, I want to say South, South, should put, s- south End? Should I put no. you out of? Yep.
1: Yes, South End. South oh, end. really? In Essex? Uh, so, in Essex, yeah. Your favourite county.
0: Well, I've been there before. I've, I've, been, I've been to Southend before, too. Ah,
1: what do you remember about it? Lots of fish and chip uh, restaurants and shops?
0: Uh, lots of um, lots of bars, I think it was. It was back in the day, in the uni days. Yeah, but I didn't notice yeah. that many fish and chip shops, but wow, amazing. Well, I'll
1: tell you what, if you went there these days, you may uh, be surprised to learn that there are 75 businesses in 2003 classed as fish and chip restaurants or shops and this comes from a a, a phone book which um, is, is called the uk uh which really just basically has the list of all businesses in the uk and they came out with a whole massive list three weeks ago of different types of Businesses, but this being Tuesday, I thought the fish and chips one was one that we should uh, (laughs) that we should mention. And um, the Echo newspaper, which is based uh, in Essex, covering pretty much the whole county in the southeast of England, said that um, that they were they were not surprised because uh, they their their reporter who wrote the story said that it seems that every few yards slash meters in our in our sort of terminology, I guess, is um, that there is a there is a place. Selling the stuff. So, any guesses, Noreen, for places number two and number three? One of them you've already said. Oh, I think Br-
0: Brighton. I don't know Brighton why. Brighton comes third yeah, Brighton or comes second? Third. Oh.
1: Third. It goes, so, Brighton is third with 50. So, so it's 75 in South End, 50 uh, for Brighton uh, in third place. Uh, second place is 56, just pipping Brighton, and we're way over west. I don't think you'll guess it.
0: Oh no, I I don't I don't Okay. Uh, Bristol. It's, it's
1: only Swansea in oh, Wales. Swansea
0: in what Who'd have guessed,
1: <laughs> who'd have guessed? So uh, they've got 56 there. What? So um there was a, there were, when this came out there was a quote from Daniel Nelson, a South End councillor responsible for economic growth and investment in South End town. And he said it's no surprise Uh, that we came top of the list. We have more fish and chip shops than any other place in the UK because we are also the best seaside resorts to visit in the UK. Sounds a little bit biased there, what do you reckon? (laughs) Um, And he said, uh, there's nothing more quintessentially British than a trip to the seaside with a bag of chips, whether you're walking on our famous promenade or enjoying a view from the world's longest pleasure pier. So he had a lot to say beyond fish and chips, really. Pleasure uh, pier? Yeah, well, it's a a pier that at the end has a ghost train. I remember going there as a kid. Um, So Pleasure Pier, because it's not really serving the purpose of uh, mooring ferries or boats. It really is just to walk down this long, uh, wooden planked pier, sort of out uh, several hundred metres. Well, about probably two to three hundred metres in the pier. And actually, there's a train. Well, there used to be that runs from where you join the uh, the pier entrance at the uh, you know on the on the coast itself, and you get a, a miniature train down there. It was, it was kind of a family thing, so a mini train that goes down to the end. And at the end, there were a number of amusements and game stuff, and one of them was the very very scary ghost train. So um, if that's if that's still there, that's what it's all about. The second picture that I sent you. Was my own snapshot um, of fish and chips, which um, noise, noise. Yeah, that that was that was somewhere uh, very near um, Southend, a place called Lee upon Sea, which is in Essex as well. Um, and as a side note, I thought you know sometimes we delve, as with the um, you mentioned the art um, stuff. Sometimes we get a bit deeper in Tuesday. And as a side note, some listeners may know this already, but some may not know that the national dish, it's not the national dish, which is, uh, I think, meant to be chicken tikka masala in the UK these days, but a national dish in the UK, that is fish and chips, has its origins in the kitchens of um, European Jewish immigrants that came to the UK in the 17th century when it was one of their domestic dishes. And it is uh, thought that family from this community in the 1860s opened the first fish and chip shop in London. So that's just a kind of, um, you know, if if you wondered where fish and chips came from, that is the generally um, sort of... Accepted origin. Yeah, yeah, it is. And other... Just other quick fish and chip quotes and facts for you, Laurie. Because I know you, I know you can't get enough of this subject, right? Um, I, I
0: do like fish and chips. It's <laughs> I'm so I'm always surprised there aren't more fish and chip shops in Hong Kong, considering yeah. that we were a former British colony and we're we're right by the seaside and and Hong Kong people love seafood so much. Mm. I, I always thought there'd be more perhaps hawkers. But growing up, we never had hawkers selling fish and chips. We had fish balls and, and yu-than. Well, yu is fish balls. And seal mine yeah. and, and those sort of like, you know, uh, egg waffles. But I, I never, growing up, saw f- fish and chips.
1: No. It's, it, it, I mean, uh, the first thing that I think of when you make that comment is that because it's deep fried and it's uh, mostly, uh, um, you know, ten it, months of the year, pretty, pretty warm slash hot yes, yes. and humid. The, the deep fried batter might not go well with, um, you know, with with the temperature and with China traditional Chinese medicine. The yidhe kind of deep fried, you know, for for all sorts of uh, health reasons, That's so true. it might not be the yeah. best.
0: But, but we like tempura. Uh, so it's you know yeah
1: there's a big a, there's a big love to ten, s- tempura yeah and also
0: same.
1: yeah yeah and al- al- also um, even in the RTHK canteen if they're still serving it there's the uh, Chantang staple of uh, kind of nuggets of uh, deep fried fish in in batter with uh, with a very thick gloopy um, <laughs> corn sauce that's kind of so that's a popular dish yes, isn't it yes that is which me. is which is which is nuggets of deep fried fish so I um, yeah I, I don't. I don't people go to the seaside you know it's prefers to have um uh fresh seafood that's steamed where you get more of a full flavor of the fish itself rather than you know condiments or accessories to the fish itself so that's that's a possibility um so just some last facts from, uh, from, from the UK, just while I was kind of reading the story and researching a few other things about its origins and quotes around it. During the World War II era, so we're going back to the late 1930s up to the mid-1940s, the then UK Prime Minister, Winston Churchill, claimed that fish and chips um, helped the British defeat the Nazis because it was something that people were proud to eat as a dish. And as such, it was not rationed. The, um, the, 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 the fish and potato uh, amounts were kept. It was one of the few um, items of, uh, of, of restaurant or takeaway food that was never rationed during the wartime. So that's to keep up citizens' morale during the war. So that was an interesting one. And also, the author, George Orwell, said that the comfort food helps to keep the masses happy and averted revolution. Pretty interesting. So two takes on fish and chips' importance in the UK there from a couple of well-known figures. Um, I, I, also related to the UK, moving on to, to a slightly different topic. Um, yeah, I was there for a while just now. And um, a quick word about service charges there. Really, it's it, you pay so much more now for both service and VAT, it's quite staggering. Um, I think I was aware of it maybe over the last one or two years, but because I was there a little bit longer this time, it became more and more apparent when you go out to eat. So a lot of restaurants are charging a 15% service charge rather than the 10% that's often levied. uh, It's a don't really know here whether it goes to the restaurant directly or if it goes, any of that goes to the staff. Um, uh, maybe the same is true of the 15%, which is, uh, are, which is at the end of a lot of bills increasingly. I think I first spotted this about a couple of years ago in the UK, but now it seems to be even more widespread. On top of that, there's also a 20% of value-added tax, which is VAT. So whatever you're ordering you get an extra 35% added. Now, this doesn't happen at very at fast food places or, you know, um, lower-priced cafes, but anything that's mid-range and upwards, it does. So uh, just be, be aware of that. That's that, that. That really does make a massive difference in, uh, if, if you compare the cost of eating out in Hong Kong and the UK. I don't know expen- if you were aware of
0: it's, it's expensive to eat out, I think. Uh, and, well, it, and, sorry, go, go yeah. on, Andrew.
1: Oh, no, I was going to say, well, it always, it always was more expensive than here. But these additional charges, the 20% VAT was only added um, a few years ago, two or three oh. years ago. And um, before that, there was no, it wasn't VAT on, um, you know, as an additional charge. So that does make a massive difference. Sorry, go on, you were going to say. Yeah, gonna
0: I was going to say, yeah, it's always been really expensive to eat out in the UK. For example, if you feel like, you know, one than mean or just something that's... Yeah and it 's not because those ingredients are more expensive it's just it 's more expensive to eat something other than English food you know if yeah that's, that's, that yeah. was my feeling it was also expensive to have like yeah Chinese food and Japanese food. I think Asian cuisines are always quite expensive curries yeah curries are expensive too mm. actually
1: yeah that's true, and also i did I, I I guess also it might it might depend sometimes on the area that you 're in. Um, you know i i went to a cafe just for a sandwich in st paul's area because i was going to um the tate gallery which was just across the river from there and um yeah that was um but there were lots of uh what looks like um sort of um uh, financial workers in the district and of course that that, that those cafes are going to be higher priced fantastic uh, breads and so on, uh, because um, because I guess they're easier to keep in a in a in a drier climate than, uh, than 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 with humidity. That's one of the challenges here. Although we do have an increasing amount of great uh, bakeries happening here, they just have to close the uh, the doors and keep a bit of aircon on to keep them fresh. I guess. Yeah. So from the UK, uh, just moving off to uh, the US, and I wanted to mention a new food trend there. So um, it's a new gastronomic or high-end version or versions of chicken liver uh, pate on toast. And this is a much more kind of luxurious taste. And, And this was a story that I read about this and I looked into it further. I first read about it in Eater magazine two weeks ago, which was referring to the current US trend. And I just dug a bit deeper. And it seems that from the old um, gastro pub craze of, of, of a decade or 15 to 20 years ago in, in the UK, but then it crossed over to the States, um, there were much more rustic liver pâtés. And that was a time when I, I don't know, you, you may have remembered, because this did travel to Hong Kong after it got popular in some about, other places yeah, in the world. About a
0: decade ago, pâté was huge yeah. in Hong Kong. Oh, OK, yes.
1: Yeah, um, that's right. So, so the whole gastro pub took off. Uh, here as well, like with the Globe and some others in Central, you know, that's one of the few that are remaining, or some hotel pubs kind of went a bit gastro as well in Hong Kong. <laughs> You're so and posh.
0: What oh, the- I just got them from the supermarket, because I noticed the supermarkets had a bigger selection.
1: Ah, yeah, 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 definitely, definitely. And also, yes, because like like you were saying about in London, where some ingredients could be um, imported that are Asian, making the prices uh, more yes, expensive. Of yes. course, that ha- that happens here all the time when you want to go to a, West- a Western or non non Asian uh, type of food, because uh, you know the um, some of those might be imported whole, like the pâtés might even be imported whole. As you say, there's, it'd be pretty similar to what you get in the supermarket. But um, this 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 trend then in uh, in America is to go for a very, very high-end version. Instead of this rustic, coarsely chopped pâté, which is how pâté originally was in Europe, France was uh, one of the originators, uh, along with, um, with, with Germany and some other European countries, of, 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 of a lot of European-style pâté, uh, which gastropubs use as a yardstick, I think, really, or they did. But well, I wonder if this trend will catch on in other places in the world. That's happening in the U.S. right now, which is not happening in Europe. It's to really blend the pate further and to whip it to make it to get it aerated to make it a bit like a um, a mousse in some ways. And then other elements will be sprinkled on top. So you, you start with a base of a chicken liver pate. Um, which uh, which is which is really like a moose, and then you start piling on other directions or pairing other ingredients on top of it. And I sent one photo uh, from from a restaurant in the States where there is where where the pate is actually covered in other elements um, like um, some cured minced meat and caviar. If you can see that in the photo that I mm. that I sent, which is on a piece of toast, um, so the um the the article and the research that i said were uh, uh, I, I went into was talking about how in America chicken liver pate was seen as being part of nose to tail dining, which was also a massive uh, trend or phrase banded about by restaurants uh, about ten years ago here do you remember nose to tail meaning that you don't you, you don't, don't waste, waste anything. anything yeah yeah, yeah, so everything would either be eaten as is like a uh, the tails of animals, you know oxtail, many of us may have heard of, but other tails from other animals were also used trotters, internal uh, ingredients now we we know and we 've spoken before that gizzards and other internal organs are no strangers to uh, to dishes in in uh, traditionally parts of the world where no no food could be wasted you know for economic reasons. And this would have happened also, by the way, uh, across the world. I mean, there certainly were stewed steak and kidney pie in the, in, the, in the UK. But I'm talking about, let's say here, we all know that um, internal organs are enjoyed, maybe to a less extent now. But uh, but I would say that over uh, the last, well, back a few decades, uh, certainly you could get all kinds of uh, in intestines um, served in as part of dim sum, when I went to Hainan Island, one of their uh, popular dishes over there for soup noodles, rice noodles, is to have pig intestines uh, in there, just with some garlic and a bit of chopped up green onion. And I certainly tried it. It was a bit. It was a bit sort of. Um, what's the word? Well, that, that, if you know the taste of intestines, if you've ever eaten them it was a bit strong on the on the flavor it wasn't really my sort of uh thing but i did but i but i i'm always curious to try as i'm uh, as i am a carnivore i i think it's um it's good to to be um you know to be eating some of the too choosy all the time uh you know or it's interesting just to try what's out there what about you? Do you ever, do you ever or do you steer clear of, uh, of things like that? For yourself, I mean, not for your kids, where you may have a different opinion.
0: Yeah, I'm not, I don't really have a lot of organs. I, have, I mean, not me personally in my body, but, I mean, eating a lot of organs. Yeah. yeah.
1: Right, right. I, but uh, I have because
0: sometimes, oh, yeah, sorry, go ahead. Yeah, we're pressed sorry, for time. I've, just,
1: yeah. I've noticed how close we are, so I yeah. want to quickly mention this, and I should have said it maybe earlier on, happy Dumpling Week. Uh, to you and the listeners, because this is the final, final segment, because uh, until the end of this week, it's International Dumpling Week, so do look up on your, uh, you know, on Google, where to enjoy uh, noodles, sorry, dumplings in Hong Kong, because a lot of restaurants are putting on some specials across the city, and across, the, you know, the SAR. Uh, one place I will give a quick uh, shout-out to is Base Hall 02 in Jardine House, which kicked off yesterday um, in in Central, which is where the old grappa cellar was, and um, they have a number, a handful, of different top restaurants in Hong Kong who have pop-ups or little stalls uh, where different types of dumplings are being served, and I did send a colourful dumpling photo which was the last picture that I sent you from my you collection for the day.
0: Well thank you very much indeed for your time today. Andrew Dembina, happy dumpling week to you and thank you so much for <laughs> for all that great chat and I look forward to more chats with you next week. Thank you very much.
1: Thanks, have a good week.
0: Bye for now and a quick look at the